Praise God. Well, let's bow. Father, we thank you for your word. As I come to teach you today, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I am depending on you. And therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing power and love to each person's mind and the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, removing all confusion, and that your word will enter every heart under the sound of my voice, bringing faith and removing all fear. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that is revealed and accomplished by your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' name, and all those who love the Lord, Jesus said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Give somebody a high five before you sit down. Can you do that? Now, I'm not talking about high-fiving your wife or your husband. You should have done that already. Or your friend. Come on now. Make a stranger feel welcome. Make a guest feel welcome. No strangers here. Praise God. Are we all happy? Good. Good. It's very important that we discuss this subject. This is our fourth series now. Title is Understanding and Dealing with the Operation of Demons. It's very important that we understand how to deal with the operation of demons because Satan has set traps everywhere in our society today. There's more demon activity in America now than there has ever been. And there's so many different ways that the devil is trying to seduce the human race, infiltrate our behavior and actions. And we step on these step in these traps and we don't realize we're caught and sometimes the demons actually enter into people because of it, enter into Christians because of it. And, and 90% of the Christians that I've prayed for that have been demons cast out didn't even know that they had a demon. What a shock. Because they're involved in something and they don't realize it's wrong. Anything that violates the Word of God is wrong, and after a while, the devil has legal right then to enter that person because of it. So we have to understand these things. So we're going to look at the different open doors in this series that we need to avoid, and if we have messed up, we ask God to forgive us, we close those doors and get the demon cast out of our lives. Amen? You see, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 6, uh, 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not the devil's people. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the same thing is found in Isaiah 5 verse 13. God said, therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. My people have gone into captivity, into bondage because they have no knowledge. And Jesus said this. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, knowing the truth, understanding what the word of God says about all this, brings us freedom from demon spirits. Say this, the more I know about the Bible, the more I will live in victory. Praise God. Amen. All right, are we ready? So today, we're going to look at Satan, 
for a while. What was the reason Satan fell? What was his downfall? To understand demon possession and the influence of demons, let's find out where Satan came from. And let's find out a little more about his nature and character. Now let me say this, as far as demons are concerned, there's nothing to be afraid of. You have absolute authority over Satan over demons. If you are a believer in Christ, okay, and you're walking in the light of the Word of God, you have absolute authority. You do not have to be afraid of Him. All right, but we need to be aware of ignorance and making stupid decisions and getting involved in stuff that we shouldn't be. All right, so let's go to Ezekiel 28 as we start. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. I'm choosing the New Living Translation here. You were the perfection of wisdom and beauty talking about the devil. God's saying this about Satan. You were the perfection of wisdom and beauty. Imagine that. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, chrysolite, chrysolite, white moonstone, beryl, onyx, green jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold they were given to you on the day you were created. So these, this was given to Lucifer, one of the three archangels that God created, given to him on the day of his creation. So the Satan was a created being. 14. God said, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty guardian or angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until today, until the evil was found in you, until evil was found in you. So he was blameless, he was perfect until there came a day when evil entered. 16. Your great wealth filled you with violence. Violence. Isn't that interesting? Satan is violent, filled with violence, and you see so many people under his influence today, under the influence of demons, who live a violent life. You see violence increasing more and more. That's, that's Satan's nature. That's his activity. Your great wealth filled you with violence, and you sinned. So I banished you from the mountain of God. I expelled you, a mighty guardian. Oh, mighty guardian. That's what God says about him. From your place among the stones of fire, your heart was filled with pride. Now, no, take a note of that. Your heart was filled with pride. Your heart became filled with pride. This is a very big problem in our world today. It's a mighty big problem. Pride is an open door for demons to enter into people's lives. Are you hearing me? This is a major open door, pride. The Bible says pride becomes before destruction. The Bible said God resists the proud and he honors and exalts the humble. You got it? So we must be careful 
not to be seduced into the spirit of pride. How great our art. How great our art. <laughs> so, your heart is full of pride because of your beauty. Because of your beauty. Look how cool I look. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So I threw you into the earth. I threw you onto the earth. I threw you to the earth. And exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So I brought fire from within you and it consumed you. I let it burn you to ashes on the ground. Some of this is still going to happen. In the sight of all who were watching, all who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end, and you are no more. Now, Isaiah, the prophet, also writes about this, looking at it from a different angle. So go to Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, now watch this, here's the pride speaking. This is what the devil said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation of the furthest sides of the north. In other words, I'll sit on God's throne in the north. That's where his throne is. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I'll be like God. So Satan is saying, I'm going to kick God off his throne. I'm going to sit on his throne and I'm going to rule the universe. I'm going to rule the universe. He has a created being saying he's more powerful than the creator. How dumb can you be and still breathe? You know, that's like an ant thinking, I'm going to body slam this elephant and I'm going to tap him out. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest parts of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. And consider you, saying, is this the man whom the earth trembled, who made the earth to tremble, and who shook kingdoms? Who made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners. The New Living Translation says he had no mercy on his prisoners. We need to realize that. The devil has no mercy, family. No mercy. Now, Jesus describes Satan's fall from heaven to the earth in Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he said, I give you authority to trample on all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any, any means hurt you. So say this, if I use my authority, Satan cannot hurt me. Now, if I'm ignorant 
and don't use my authority, then he can. You see that? So this my shield of faith will stop every attack of the devil. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 20 says, Nevertheless, I do not, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Thank you, God. Our names are written in heaven. Amen. Now, with that all in mind, understanding the devil's nature, understand the devil's nature, let's go to Luke, uh, Leviticus, Old Testament, chapter 10. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 10, please, in your Bible. Thank you. And we'll start with verse 1. I'm reading out the NIV translation here. Aaron, who was the high priest, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense to the top of the coals of fire. And they offered unauthorized fire, unauthorized worship before the Lord, contrary to his command, contrary to God's command. Unauthorized means you weren't instructed to do it, right? So they worship God in a, out of order, out of order. Now, there is no clear description of a, of a censor given in the Bible. However, it appears as if a censor looked like a frying pan, and they're filled with coals and put incense on the coals. That would be probably what a censor looked like. Verse 2 says, So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed Nadab and Abihu, and they died before the Lord. They died instantly. And you know, Aaron was told he may not mourn. Don't mourn. Because then you are standing against God's judgment and you're siding with your sons. You'll be in trouble. Nadab and Abihu served as priests. They were sons of Aaron. Aaron was the chief priest, the high priest. He was in charge. His sons were merely helpers. They were to serve Aaron beside the altar in obedience. Aaron's sons had no authority to serve independently of Aaron. They were placed under Aaron's authority. They thought they could offer sacrifices to God themselves, and so they offered without Aaron's orders. God always puts someone in charge, in authority. Why? To bear the responsibility, while others are called to help. Family, you don't want to be in charge if you're not called or placed there by God because you'll be judged as if you are responsible and judged for taking responsibility that you haven't been called to bear. Let me tell you something. The Bible says not many of you should desire to be teachers because you're, you have a greater judgment. 
So we don't want to stand in an office we're not anointed to stand in. We don't want to stand in an office in our own strength and our own ability. That's pride. You see that? So this what happened here is because of pride. That's one reason. There are a few reasons. God always puts somebody in authority so they can take the responsibility and be responsible for that group's actions. And if the rest of the group, the rest of the team does something that the captain instructs them to do, then they're not responsible for it. The captain will take the, 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 the punishment for that. Now, Nadab and Abihu had watched their father. To them, what he did was very simple. They assumed they could do the same thing. I'm sure it was simple. And because Aaron was their father, they lost respect for the anointing that was on Aaron's life. The anointing to stand in that office. The anointing gives one the authority to stand in an office. Without that anointing, we can't operate in an office. So, they, because he's their father, and they saw him as a man, as a father, and of a period of time, they lost sight of the fact that he's there because of God's choosing and anointing, and they need to listen and submit to this man as the high priest. Not just because he's the father, but because he's the high priest. While he's in office operating, they need to respect the anointing and interaction. And they didn't see it, so pride made them just do what they want to do, right? However, when they worked Apart from Aaron, they're working independently of God. It's like a, a sergeant or a, a lieutenant or a captain or even a colonel just going out to start a war on their own without the general or without the president authorizing the war. If any one of those people take their soldiers and start doing that, that means that the general has lost his army. He has no soldiers to command because they've been taken from him. Now, when we start doing stuff like that, then Jesus loses control of the church because we're supposed to be taking orders all the way down, letting him instruct the church. When we take over and issue commands independently of Jesus' instruction, then he loses control of his church. We take it. We take it over. In my book on how to recognize the voice of God, I tell everybody what happened to me one time when the Lord spoke to me and rebuked me like that. I heard his voice audibly. I've heard his voice audibly many times. But he rebuked me and told me, give me back my church. Remember I told you about that. And he wasn't playing games. And I, and I, and I shiver at the thought of ever doing that to him again, he was not happy. And you'll know it when he talks to you like that. Now, God's work must be coordinated under authority. We can see this from the experience that ministry, uh, from the experience that uh, we just saw in this ministry story here. Lines of communication authority must be maintained. Men must learn how to follow. Men must learn how to follow. If we can't follow men in authority, we can't follow God, and we can't serve God. 
He has a very wise statement from a very wise man. I wish I knew who it was, but I don't. Civilization is always in danger when those who have never learned to obey are given the right to command. I wish I knew who wrote that, who said that. Today, in the Christian world, many are trying to serve God independently without being under authority. This is the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of Lucifer. In my travels around the world, I witness to people whenever I have the opportunity, and very often folks will say to me, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, that's wonderful. You believe in Jesus? Yes. Okay. So tell me now, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't go to church. Very often you hear that, I don't go to church. You don't? No. I, uh, I don't believe it's necessary. I just love the Lord. Bluebirds of the Lord, as Norval Hayes says, bluebirds of the Lord. I just love the Lord. He knows my heart. Yes, you're in trouble. You're out of order. Totally out of order. And you are, that, and you are one of those little lambs that walked away from the herd, and you are going to be devoured by the lion. I can guarantee it right now. One of those little deer. You stay with the pack, family. So today in the church, many are trying to serve God independently without being under authority. Without realizing it, these people have overthrown God's authority. Therefore, they have overthrown God's throne. They have placed themselves on God's throne. I know better. I don't have to do what God tells me to do. I'll do it my way. That is number one commandment, no, the second commandment in Satan's Bible. The first one is you shall worship the, the, the devil with all your heart. The second one is you must do whatever you want to do. Second commandment in Satan's Bible, do whatever you want to do. And I've heard pastors tell kids that or people that, you know, God will do, God help you do whatever you want to do. But that's not how it is, family. God has sent us to the earth for a plan, for a purpose, on a mission. Each one of us is on an assignment from God. And we need to be led by the Holy Spirit to make sure that we are walking in the peace of God and fulfilling His purpose for our lives. Because when we stand before Him one day, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not, well, uh, you know, badly done, you did your way. Like that song, I did it my way. Frank Sinatra. And Elvis sang it as well. I like, I like those two singers, but... Not a good song. They just don't realize. People think that things like that only happen in the Old Testament, like what we just read now, only happens in the Old Testament, or won't happen in the New Testament because we're under grace. That's not true. Grace will run out eventually, and rebellion will cause, allow demons to enter. See, um, I have cast, as you know, many demons out of Christians, right? And um, so grace ran out for those people. And the demon was allowed to enter. Satan has no authority to hurt you or enter you unless you give it to him. But demons are allowed to enter us when we overstep our mark and keep pushing uh, the line away on grace and start making stupid decisions and doing things we know God doesn't approve of, right? 
That's called rebellion. Kenneth Hagin sees a spur of death on a pastor's wife. While he was teaching, Kenneth E. Hagin, a prophet of God, a mighty man of God, has been, who's gone home to be with the Lord now, he was also a great teacher. He was teaching, and um, he saw a demon of death sitting on a pastor's wife. The pastor and the, his wife were sitting in the front row, and he saw a demon sitting on the pastor's wife, and it was a spirit of death. And this disturbed him terribly. So he spoke to the Lord about it, and he said, Lord, did you show me this for a reason? What must I do about it? And Jesus said, do nothing about it. The reason this is happening is because I never called them into the full-time ministry. They went without my instruction. This is just like Nadab and Abihu. Jesus said, if you tell them to resign from the ministry and tell them what I told you, they will not accept it. There's nothing you can do to help them. I just want you to know that, he says. Now, Kenneth Hagin said to the Lord, what will happen to her? And Jesus said, she'll die in a few days and she'll be up here with me. But her life was cut short because she's young. She gave Satan the opportunity of killing her and he took it. Stepping out of authority. You see? So it's important that everything be done in harmony under authority in the kingdom of God and in life in general. When Norman Ways was here, he's also a great man of God, a good friend of mine. He's gone to be with the Lord several years ago. When he was here, uh, he ministered for me in Jasper as well, but when he was here, we uh, took him to lunch and we had about a dozen of us all together sitting around a large table having lunch. And he was a very, very close friend of Kenneth Hagin's. Kenneth Hagin would just arrive at his house and he could unpick any lock at that time of his life. And as a young man, he would unpick the lock of Neville Hayes' door, go inside, eat a meal, sit down, have a sleep, get up, have a shower, get dressed and leave, and leave a note for normal. So I was at, at your house today. So that's the kind of friendship they had. So I said to Norval, I said, Norval, tell me, I know of about 12 different times, the, I believe in book, uh, the vision book is eight times that Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin, but I know of extra four that I heard on all of his tapes and stuff. And I said, do you know, has he ever told you of a time that Jesus appeared to him and what he said to him that we don't know about? So he thought for a moment, he said, yes. He said, one time, the Lord appeared to, G to Kenneth Hagin and he said to him, some of my pastor's servants die young because they take the sheep of the shepherd that employed them and start a church with another man's sheep. And the Bible said, you, Paul said, I will not build another man's foundation. So that's what happens. He said, they die young and they don't know why. They die young and they don't know why. Now once or twice, someone has asked me, who do I submit to? Well, firstly, I was ordained by Kenneth E. Hagen in 1980 at camp meeting in, in uh, July. 
And um, he went home to be the Lord, as I said, several years ago. He's the only man ever ordained me. And secondly, Dr. Cho was my pastor. I've been on his board for over 30 years. And he was my pastor. He had the largest church in the world. Uh, and he went home to be the Lord several years ago. And so now, I'm 75 years old. And it's my turn to take my responsibility and be a father to the 1,300 churches that I have under my care and the 80-odd Bible schools I have under my care. So it's my turn to take responsibility and be a father in the, the family, right? And so there comes a time when that has to happen, I guess. And some have started churches, and they were never called to do so because there's no anointing on them for the task. And so the church doesn't grow. And some have been called to start churches and make wrong choices, or something happens in the circumstance of life, and the church doesn't grow, or it even closes down. But the point is, those who are not called will find their churches will not grow. Will not grow. We've had a few people come to us while we were here, initially in this church, just started in San Antonio. And they walked in the door and told me that they were an apostle. I'm an apostle of God. I said, wonderful. So how many churches have you started? None. Oh, okay. Now, because we were a new church and they didn't know our history, they didn't know that we had some experience before we came here, they thought they would be able to immediately get placed in a position of leadership without any training. They didn't want to be trained. They didn't want to serve. They just wanted to lead. But that wasn't going to happen. So I wished them well and told them to keep charging on. Don't let me stop you. In 1982, one of my pastors resigned when we were in Janusburg and started a church in Cape Town. And I told him, you're not called. To start a church, you're called to serve in the house of the Lord as a pastor. But he went nevertheless because his wife was, was forcing him, pushing him, motivating him to go start this church. Well, they started a church in Cape Town, didn't work. And so they left that place, went to another place in Cape Town, started a church, and it didn't work. And then they gave up starting churches. And then he got cancer and he died. Now, did Satan attack him? Well, God didn't do that. Certainly not. If Satan attacked him, and I believe it was the devil, how could that happen? Well, because he gave the devil opportunity, right? That's how it works. As I said, of all 1,300 churches we have under our care, 13 of them started churches with our members. So we say to our folks, uh, and we say that to you too today, if you've done three years Bible school and you believe God's called you to start a church, and I believe it, God tells me, we'll support you financially and help you in every way possible to start a church anywhere in the world. And so we know that. Our people know that. Our graduates all know that. And uh, so we've started churches all over different countries of the world. And the people know that. So I say to our staff, now look, if you ever feel called of God to start a church, come to me, talk about it, let's pray. And if God says yes, we'll finance it wherever it might be that God has called you to go. But we, like in Jasper in the early years, uh, the first 
20 years of the ministry, uh, we divide the city up into uh, 20 different slices of the cake and put each pastor over a different slice of the cake. And so they each had somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people that we gave them to look after for us. And uh, so of the pastors we had over several years, 13 of those pastors took the members that we gave them and started a church with them right there in that area, okay? They don't do that anymore. That hasn't happened for a long time. It's not going to happen again. But they did that. And um, of all those 13 churches, every one of them is closed down except one, and it's remained small up until this day. But of the 1,300 churches that we helped, they're all doing great. So going against authority and being out of order doesn't work. Can we see that? It doesn't work, child of God. Now, I'm using churches to help us understand, but this is typical in any part of life. In any part of life, we need to be aware of authorities and walk in authority, under authority. Now, if the authority asks us to do something that's unscriptural or ungodly, it goes against this, then this is the higher law, the Word of God. And then we say, with respect, I'm not going to rob that bank. I don't care how much pressure you put on me because God doesn't want me to do it. You see what I'm saying? So we obey the person, provide that we are asked to do something within the boundaries or the confines of our task. Yes. Now then. Um, in 1952, Lord Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin in vision. After speaking in the church that night, he went to the kitchen and they were sitting there with the pastor and his wife and his wife, the four of them having a bite to eat off the church, when suddenly Kenneth Hagin had this burden to pray. So he told the pastor, I've got a terrible burden to pray. Can we pray? So he said, yes. So the four of them knelt down at their chairs and began to pray. Hard and fast for about 45 minutes. Then all of a sudden, Kenneth Hagin had a vision. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing up where the ceiling was, and he began to speak to him. He spoke to him for an hour and a half. Now, he could have a conversation with Jesus, but the others could not hear anything except what Kenneth Hagin was saying. And one thing that, Kenneth Hagin, or that Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, which I'm going to talk about in that vision, was, I'm going to show you how someone gets possessed by a demon. Now, you'll find this very interesting, how someone gets possessed by a demon. Immediately, Kenneth Hagin saw a woman that he recognized, although he didn't know her, he had been introduced to her and shaken her hand at a convention, but he didn't know her. The woman was married. She was an evangelist. She was in the ministry, or, or, or ordained and called of God, all right? And an outstanding singer of the gospel, and she was very beautiful. Now, in his book, I Believe in Visions, Kenneth Hagin explains how he saw the demon enter this woman. So what happened was, a demon that resembled a small monkey came and sat on her right shoulder. It resembled, it didn't look, it wasn't a small monkey, it resembled a small monkey. And he said to her in her ear, you are a beautiful woman. In the world, you could have, you could have fame, popularity, and money. 
She spoke out loud and said, I resist you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, and the demon left. Sometime later, that same demon came back and sat on her right shoulder again and said to her, you are a beautiful woman. In the world, you could have fame, popularity, and money. And she spoke out again and said, I resist you, Satan, in Jesus' name, and the demon left. In the process of time, the demon came back for the third time, sat on her right shoulder and said, you are a beautiful woman. In the world, you could have, had, you could have fame, popularity, and money. And the woman said nothing to the demon and began to listen and think about that idea. The demon stayed with her all the while she was entertaining that thought. The more she thought about it, the more the demon put the thought in her mind. Eventually, the woman was obsessed with this thinking. At that moment, that demon hopped from her shoulder into her head. And Kenneth Hagin explains, as I watched this woman, it seemed as if she was transparent and I could see that demon in her head. The demon now looked like a small black golf ball, a small black golf ball inside of her head. Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, even at this point in time, the woman could have said, I repent from these thoughts. I command you, Satan, go from me in the name of Jesus, and the demon would have left her. Say this, any thought that is not scriptural should be resisted immediately. Do not entertain. Don't entertain it. Whatever the thought may be, it will open the door to the devil eventually. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. I'm going to come back to that story now. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. Our weapons are not natural weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Our weapons are mighty in God. We have God's weapons for pulling down strongholds. I'm sorry about the heat. Yeah, two of our air conditioners blew. They'll be fixed by next weekend. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So our weapons can cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? That means thoughts that try and take authority over from the Word of God. When you know what the Bible says and a thought tries to tell you something different, we have weapons to deal with those demons. That's what the Bible is saying. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, God wants all of our thinking to be in harmony with the Word of God. So if our thinking is not in harmony with the Word of God, we need to be very aware of that and not allow those thoughts into our head because it can open the door for demons. 
Now watch what happens here. The woman continued thinking and dreaming about living in the world with fame, popularity, and money. And then there came a time when that black dot moved from her head down, dropped into her spirit, into her heart. Now Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, this woman is now possessed by this demon. Now here is an evangelist, a Christian, born again, possessed by a demon. It dropped into her spirit. Now Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, this woman is now possessed by this demon. She cannot deliver herself any longer. She cannot deliver herself any longer. We can cast the demon out of her. The way to do that then is to intercede for them in the power of the Spirit of God, praying in tongues. Intercede for them so the Holy Spirit can begin to deal with their heart and mind and marinate them and bring them to a place where they realize what's going on in their mind and heart. And then we can talk to them when the Holy Spirit opens their heart and we can minister to them. They'll agree with us and we can cast the demon out. We have to get their agreement. That's how you do that. Now, this woman left her husband and went to live with another man living in adultery. In the vision, Kenneth Hagin saw the woman's husband. He spoke to the friend of his who was a pastor of a church and asked him to go and speak to his wife, the evangelist woman singer. Kenneth Hagin saw this man knock on the door where she was living with another man. She came to the door, opened the door with a thin gown on and nothing underneath the gown. When she saw the pastor of the church, whom she knew, she said, I know why you have come. I'm not interested. And she cursed the man of God. And she cursed her husband. And she cursed the Lord Jesus Christ. And she slammed the door in the pastor's face. Now, Jesus said to Kenneth Hagin, this woman could have committed adultery with a number of different men and then repented and gone back to her husband and I would have forgiven her. But she has just committed the unpardonable sin and there remains no more forgiveness for her. Jesus said she will burn in the flames of hell forever. She'll burn in the flames of hell forever. Now, I've had folks come to me and tell me, um, Dr. Theo, I, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. So I can tell you right now, you haven't. How can I know? Well, because a person that commits the unpardonable sin has now got a reprobate mind. And according to Romans chapter 1, a, rep a, a reprobate mind is a mind that hates God, wants nothing to do with God, wants nothing to do with church, wouldn't be found dead on the doorstep of a church, and would run a mile if anybody tried to speak to them about Christ. So the fact that a person's in a church building, in church service, that proves they have not committed the unpardonable sin. You understand that? Don't the devil lie to you now. Now we're going to watch, uh, this is the rest of the program, we're going to watch two short videos, then I'm going to minister to 
people by the gifts of the Spirit for healing and deliverance. Power of God's going to move in the meeting. People are going to be healed and set free. This is a very important part of the service. So watch these two videos. It will help you understand what you can expect to see here this morning. All right. And now, when we do these special meetings, now by this time, I'll be closing the service on a normal weekend. But for those of you that are here for the first time, when we have these special meetings like once a month, we don't close early. We go on until people have been helped and we finished with the meeting. And so I don't mind staying, and I'll stay for as long as anybody needs help. I'll be here with my wife to help you, okay? So, but just listen to these videos, and let's see what God does, and you'll be blessed. Thank you. Run the videos, please. I'm no longer My name is Lee and I'm a full-time pastor here at Christian Family Church. I became a member in 2013 and that is where my life has changed dramatically. This is where I met my husband. This is where three beautiful girls was born. This is where I became a full-time pastor and this is where my salvation, my deliverance and my healing journey started. So this is something that I started when I was only as young as 10 years old. I never knew what the problem was until I was 18 years old when they discovered that a tumor that is as big as 10 centimeters was growing in my abdomen. Now I sense in my heart here today, somebody's trusting God for healing for growths on their body. The type of tumors is called neurofibromatosis and it's an incurable disease where tumors will just keep on growing on your nervous system and I've been struggling with this for more than two decades. The tumors that's been growing has been growing for 25 years uh -huh. and the doctor states that they are incurable. They will always keep on growing on my nerves. That issues caused extreme pain that I had for many years. It also caused numbness in some areas because you know when a nerve is being damaged or hurt there's no way that no medication, no pill can help restore that nerve. When the damage has been done, there's absolutely nothing that you can do about that. It keeps on growing on the nerves, in my back, in my abdomen area. You have, and stuff start, like you have pain? Down my legs, yes. And if you know, I've been for multiple operations. Wow. Okay. Multiple. Okay. And for 25 years since I was 10 years old. But today's it's my day. upon you right now. <laughs> And I was sitting in the service, not thinking anything, not asking the Lord anything, because my journey with my faith has been, I am healed. And that's what I stood on. And that's what I believe. And at the very end, Apostle Theo said that there's someone here with an incurable disease. And I was sitting there and the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart, Lee, that's you. I looked at my husband and I told him, and I went up and I ran to the front and I knew I need to be like the woman with the issue of blood and I need just to grab a hem of Jesus Christ. Possibly, the Spirit of the Lord is on you right now, healing you. There it is. In the name of Jesus, I set you free from this bondage. Free. And he prayed for me and 
a power that I cannot explain came on top of me and I started to shake. I started to shake, but while I was shaking, I was on the floor, I lost my shoes, and I truly believe it's a prophetic losing of shoes because I had to get rid of the old to get the new. So my healing experience felt like electricity that was going through my entire body, from my head down to the soles of my feet. You can see on the video, I was shaking uncontrollably and the power of God was just flowing through me and I couldn't stop laughing because I knew something that I lived with for so many years was broken at that very moment. And then I went to go see my doctor. And my doctor, he had a shocking expression on his face and I didn't know what to expect. Is now good? Is this a bad? And he's like, nothing has grown. That was his very first words. And that is unlikely. You know, for these type of tumors, they always grow. Existing tumors that was there are completely gone. So everything we have on paper. Sometimes I find myself reading that over and over and over again because it's just such a praise report that I've never ever received in the past. I'm sitting here today and I'm so thankful, so thankful to God for what He's done in my life. And I want to thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for their continuous support and love. I want to thank them for their dedication and their time, for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if he did not call out incurable disease, I believe that I would not be sitting here today sharing my testimony with everybody. And I do believe that this testimony will bring hope for some people in a hopeless situation, for people with a terminal disease, for people that have been struggling for years, thinking that God has forgotten about them which is not the truth. We serve a loving Father that is fighting for us. And I did my fight. I came from the side and I grabbed the hymn of Jesus. And I hope that this can encourage other people to do the same and to not lose hope, to not give up and to stand and fight for their healing. I ate poison four times. Poison is still rolling in my stomach. Does it move in you? It's move. It's yeah. Sometimes yeah. I don't even get balance when I walk. Who can guess what's going on? A what? A demon. Do you know it's the devil? You know what it is? It's a demon. Because you're going to which doctor, and the demon came in. <coughs> I'm born in a family of Sangomas. Do you believe in Jesus? Too much. I'm the only one who's left in the family. Are you going to go back to the witch doctor? My, my, I, yes. I want, I want. You want? I, I've do got you understand the witch doctor is not from God? Yes, I do. Jesus is the healer, He's right? the Lord and Savior. Right. He saved my life. Not the devil. Okay, say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. For going to witch doctor. For going to witch doctors. I repent. 
I repent. I will never do that again. I will never do that again. In Jesus' name, forgive me. In Jesus' name. Forgive me. Forgive me. Now say this, all of you demons. All of you demons. Inside of me. Inside of me. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. You must come out of me. You must come out from me. And go from me now. Go from me now. Go from me now. And you will never return. Then you will never return. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right, look at me. Look in my eyes. You foul demon spirits. I command you to come out of this woman right now and cease harassing her. You heard what she said. You have no legal right to stay. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Out in the name of Jesus. Right now. Lift your hands and praise the Lord, church. Praise you, Jesus. There it goes. Praise you, Jesus. Praise Praise the Lord, family. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Yes. 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 Praise you. Lift your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. Say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say, I am free. See, she was totally overcome by the presence of God. You understand that? She had a God encounter in her deliverance. Now tell us what the Lord's done for you. Jesus healed me. chair 
because I knew that if Theo can touch me, something will happen. Today, I'm happy because he did. After nine churches, this is my tenth, tenth church where I got healed. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord of Lords. I love you, King of Kings. Jehovah. Jairo! Praise the Lord. Praise God. All glory to the Lord. We've got many videos like that of uh, people that have been healed and delivered by the power of God. Their first lady that testified, she had one tumor that was 10 centimeters, which is about four inches in diameter, and it disappeared. All of her tumors are gone. She's in perfect health. We had a lady here last night who told us that we videoed her after the meeting. She had a cancer brain tumor of the brain five years ago. I, I know the story, thank you. So, so we prayed for her two years ago, right? And she went back to the doctor. Well, she went to the doctor and the doctor couldn't find the tumor. So she had the tumor for five years, went to the doctor, couldn't find it after prayer. And she came back last night. She just told us the story. We prayed about something different for her. But so we've seen the Lord heal many people with cancer in our meetings and all sorts of things. Deaf ears, blind eyes have opened. One time, about 15 people had blind eyes on the platform all healed at the same time. So um, we trust Jesus, to the healer. Amen. Now, I'm just going to share, you, share with you something that I believe is very important for us to understand. From the Word of God. Let's go back first to Isaiah 53, verse 4. Can we do that? Thank you. Christ bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. He bore our sicknesses. That's what the actual Hebrew says in English. He bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. That means he suffered with our sicknesses. That means Christ was sick with our sicknesses and our pains. When was that written? Hundreds of years before Christ died. Hundreds of years before Christ died. I believe it's Revelation 13. The Bible says that Christ was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, when God decided to build uh, the universe, create the universe, and, and, and create man. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit discussed this, and they knew what we would do. And so they planned the solution, and Christ agreed to die on a cross, become a human by receiving a body through Mary. He left heaven, entered the womb of Mary, received a body, and he lived a perfect life in our place. He fulfilled every law in our place. See, you fulfilled the law because He fulfilled the law in your place. That's why you are perfect now as a God because Christ never sinned. He died in your place. He went to hell in your place. He rose in our place. He sent to the right hand of God in our place. Thank you, Jesus. So, here in this scripture, 
This was written before Christ died. So for all the human race, Christ healed the entire human race on the cross. Even before the foundation of the world, when he took our sicknesses and paid the price, God knew that it was a done deal. So that's why, that's why he says that before it happened. Christ bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. He says that before, before it happened because it, in the mind of God, it's a done deal. Revelation 13, God agreed to do it, you see? So that means the whole of the human race was healed on the cross from Adam all the way to the last person ever born. Now go to Matthew. Now Matthew walked with Jesus, right? And this is what he says about that. He knows. When evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits of the word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled as spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took count from his and bore our sicknesses. So in his earthly ministry, see, when evening came, they brought to Jesus many that were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits by speaking to them with a word, and healed all who were sick. He did that in his earthly ministry. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses on the cross. So what they're telling us is that because Christ healed everybody on the cross, past, present, future, He had to heal everybody that came to Him for healing in His earthly ministry because it was theirs. It belonged to them, was their inheritance, was their legal right. That's why I never turn one person away. Jesus never said to anybody, this is not for you. You're just too bad. Nobody was perfect. No one deserved to be healed, but they were all healed. All healed. Why? Because it was their legal right. He bade for it on the cross. Even before he went to the cross, it belonged to them. It was theirs. It belongs to us today as well. It belongs to us today as well. To every person ever born. We have all been forgiven. We've all been healed. Past tense. Now, if you go back, there's another example of this to 2,000 years before Christ died. The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. Moses brought them out, right? God told them to eat a lamb roasted with fire. And it's called the Passover lamb. That was the first time the Passover lamb was ever eaten. It was in Egypt. And they were all dressed in their traveling clothes. They ate the Passover lamb in their homes. They took the blood and put it on the doorposts and lintels of their homes. The death angel went by. It didn't go into their houses. But the moment they ate that lamb, they were all healed of all diseases. And the cripples were made whole. The Bible says so in Psalm 105. There was no feeble or sick or weak among their tribes. It all came out perfectly well. How is that possible? From eating a lamb, roasted and fire. Well, that lamb, the Passover lamb, is a type, an example, a shadow of Christ dying on the cross. That is the 
substance, the reality that casts the shadow. The shadow, the type, could not heal anybody if it wasn't paid for by Christ on the cross. If the substance didn't pay for it, the type wouldn't be able to bring them healing. So the fact that three million people got healed by just eating a resemblance of Christ dying on the cross 2,000 years before he died is evidence that the whole world has been healed by the power of God. It's our legal right. Do you understand that? We're catching this? Now, like the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed through the crowd and she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. She had a menstrual problem for about 12 years and been to many doctors and all could help her. And she was weak and frail, but she pushed herself through the crowd on her hands and knees and touched the bottom of his garment. Looking the other way, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Because he felt power flow out of her, out of him. And she felt power flow into her and she was instantly healed. But she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. That's faith at work. She didn't know if she could get there, but she knew if I got there, I would be healed. You see, Jesus said in Mark 11, 23, you'll have whatever you say if you believe what you say in your heart. Mark 11, 23. And God said in Numbers 14, 28, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do unto you. So she said, I will be healed. And she was. You see, confessing with your mouth what you believe in your heart is faith in action. So she pressed to the crowd and she touched his garment. Power flowed and she was healed. So we can do that now today. Because we had two or three gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst of them. We can start saying right now, today I will receive my healing, my deliverance, whatever it is I need from God. It, and you don't even have to receive healing or deliverance. It could be finances. It could be a family problem that you trust in God to solve. It could be salvation of souls that you trust in God. Family, friends that don't know the Lord, you trust in God for the salvation. We can claim that today, see? Bind the demons that are holding them captive with their thinking and believe that God will open their hearts to receive an invitation to come to church. So using your faith works by speaking words from your mouth. You have what you say if you believe what you say in your heart. That's how it works. Amen? All right. So this morning we're going to do that. Now, remember this. You are the body of Christ. According to Ephesians 1 verse 23, the church is the body of Christ. According to Ephesians 5 verse 30, it says you are the body of Christ and you are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, you are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, you are one spirit with the Lord. So you can see that you are the body of Christ. He's the head of the one man. 
So you can say to sickness and disease, I was healed by Christ on the cross. I've accepted Christ into me, the reality. And the moment I did, now you can say this, say this, the moment I accepted Christ into my heart, I received the health and healing that Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago. That's why Matthew says, by his stripes, I was healed. Isaiah said, by his stripes, I was healed. And 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, I was healed. I have been healed for 2,000 years. When I accepted Christ, I received it. I am the body of Christ. Sickness, disease, infection cannot exist in the body of Christ. So I declare, I resist pain. I resist sickness. I resist disease. I will not allow it into my body. Now, you see, you say that even if you have pain in your body right now, you say, I will not accept this because I am the body of Christ. It cannot enter the body of Christ. Jesus, you say this, Jesus bore my sicknesses, and I'm not having the devils. Again, again, Jesus bore my sicknesses, and I refuse to take the devil's pain. Infection, disease, suffering. I declare I'm staying well. Praise God. Amen. Now that's how we use faith. That's how we use faith. Now, God has provided several different ways for us to receive our healing. And that's one way by your own faith. And God desires that we use our faith for our own healing. But if our faith hasn't grown to that point yet, then God's provided another way in His mercy. It's called the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what we're going to do here now. We're going to allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate right now. The gifts of the Spirit will heal people without faith. It'll heal, the gifts of the Spirit will heal people even if they're not even Christians. Heal them. I've seen that. I've seen people get healed and then get saved. Okay? So we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move here today, and He will. Right now. You're going to see that happen. Okay? The reason I shared the two different ways of receiving and there are others, but the reason I share both ways is because so there's no confusion. You know you can receive it by your faith, but you can also receive by the gifts of the Spirit operating. So there's a different, completely different way of ministering right now than what I just shared with you. All right? Good. Just close your eyes, please. Raise your hands to the Lord. Close your eyes, everybody. Raise your hands. Say, Father God, I thank you for your presence here this morning. I thank you for your anointing in this house. And I receive your spirit to rest on me, to fall on me right now in the name of Jesus. There you go. And that anointing, sometimes it feels like pins and needles flying through you, mild electricity or a warm heat coming down on you, or like light rain, because the Bible says you'll come to us like the rain. 
you'll sense the anointing come on you and you feel a mild heat to that anointing the presence of the Lord and you know when God's Spirit moves like this the first thing you experience is his love because that's who he is his love when God walks into the room the first thing that walks in is love then all the rest follows because his name is love <laughs> and he loves you with an everlasting love that's why he came to the cross to rescue us from our own stupidity amen bless his wonderful name so I sense the spirit of the Lord in the house touching people here now now keep your eyes closed please and say this with me see whatever you want to trust God for right now let's do that say Father God say it please Father God I receive from you now in the name of Jesus now go ahead and talk to him go ahead and talk to him in your own words tell him what it is you want to receive this morning could be healing it could be finance it could be deliverance it could be a family member that you're praying for whatever you just go ahead and talk to the father from your heart right now in this wonderful atmosphere of his presence go ahead and talk to him with your head bowed your eyes closed this is you and God having fellowship here now is there something you need from the Lord he's ready to do anything for you He's your father. He loves you more than any father on earth could ever love you. He loves you more than any father on earth could ever love you. And he's here for you right now. To bless you, to strengthen you, encourage you, set you free, heal you. He's here right now. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them his name all right now he's heard your prayer now say father I thank you for hearing my prayer and I believe I receive right now in Jesus name now the anointing of God's falling on you right now keep your head bowed your eyes closed now I'm going to call out some things by the word of knowledge as the spirit of God speaks to me when I call it out, as I call it out, I want you please just to say, if I call out something that you've been trusting God for here this morning, if I call it out, I'd like you just to simply say, that's me, Lord. That's me. I take it. I got it. I got it. I accept it. Something like that. Just say it with your mouth. Respond immediately. Okay? You ready? It's like this. If you're going to catch a tennis ball and I throw the tennis ball and you're going to catch it, you've got to put your hands out the pocket, your pocket and take it, catch it. So the anointing is going to come your way right now. It's going to be, as you might say, just thrown to you. But you're going to have to catch it. How? That's me. Thank you. I accept that. When you say that, you caught the anointing. You caught the ball. You got it? All right. Keep your head bowed. Keep your eyes closed. Here it comes now. Here it comes right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's healing arthritis here this morning. Arthritis, you're feeling. When I said that, you said, thank you, that's me. 
there's that heat flowing through your body right now. And all the pain is melting away. All the pain is melting away. There it goes. Cancer. God's healing cancer. This somebody is trusting God for breast cancer. I'm not sure if the person's in this building or you trusting God for somebody who's not in the building and you're saying proxy for them. But it's breast cancer being healed right now. Somehow, since that person's not here, but you saying proxy for them this morning, God's power's on that person, wherever they may be, whether they're here or outside the church, wherever, God's touching them right now. There it is. Cancer goes in Jesus' name. All cancer goes in Jesus' name. Laryngitis being healed. Thyroid being healed. Knees are being healed. Someone ankle being healed. Feel that warm heat flowing through your body right now. Thank you, Jesus. Stomach conditions. Someone can't eat food. Allergic to food, food reaction. Somebody's healing you. Somebody was healed of that last night in the church as well. Praise God. Immune system being healed. Somebody's immune system being healed. Somebody's neck being healed. Spine being healed right now. Migraine headaches being healed. High blood pressure, heart conditions being healed. Somebody's heart being healed. You'll feel the power of God come on you right now. Somebody having thoughts of suicide, I bind you in the name of Jesus, Satan. Let that person's mind go. I set you free by the power of God in Jesus' name. Somebody being stressed out with fear, I bind you, spirit of fear. Go now in Jesus' name. Someone here has been greatly offended and you come here this morning, you need to be set free. I want to pray for you, but I'm going to pray for you up on this platform in a minute. God's going to set you free. I know you've been hurt badly, but you need help, so we're going to help you. Praise you, Jesus. God's meeting financial needs. I sense a lot of people trusting God for financial needs right now. I thank you, Father. If somebody's got serious de de credit card debt, are you trusting God? God's doing it for you right now. Somebody lost their job, God's giving you a new job. God's giving you a new job. You're praying for a new job, God's giving it to you. Somebody have a problem with their teeth. God's healing teeth here today. Praise you, Jesus. Somebody injured their hand. God's healing a hand here today. 
praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now, eyes, God's healing eyes and ears. Eyes and ears. In Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Somebody here, you're praying for somebody that had three miscarriages. Father, we thank you for healing that person in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, you know that little woman, the issue of blood, she came to touch Jesus' garment. He turned around and he said, who touched my clothes? And he waited until she came and said, it was me. And you know what he said to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be made whole. So she got much more because she came. You see, Jesus wants us to give him the honor and glory, right? And the Bible said, if you are, Jesus said, if you honor me before man, I'll honor you before my father. But if you do not honor me before man, I will not honor you before my father. So we need to honor God. Give him the honor, give him the praise, give him the thanks for what he does for us. So if you sense God has done something for you right now in this meeting, I want you to give God the honor. How are you going to do that? Just like the woman with the issue of blood, I want you to raise your right hand. Let everybody know God healed you this morning in the service. Put your hand up and wave it at me. God touched you and healed you, did something for you this morning in the service. Put your hand up. Would you now please stand on your feet? Just keep your hand raised and stay on your feet. Don't sit down now. We're going to give God the honor. Don't sit down. There's so many of you all over. God touched you. You know it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to come down here. You can come down here, all of you. Stand with me. All of you. you did, God did something. Give them a big hand as they come, will you? God did something for you this morning. Come and stand down here with me, please. Now, this is a wonderful time. A wonderful time. Now, I am going to, I am going to pray in just a moment for all those who want prayer by laying on of hands with my wife. For all those, this is what we're going to do. After this, I'm going to do the altar call. I'm going to close the service. And then I'm going to lay hands on everybody who wants prayer privately. And I'll stay as long as you need me to stay for that. And the rest of you may leave if you need to. That's fine. All right, so we're going to, at this point in time, this is not, I'm not praying for these people. I'm not praying for anybody here. This is for you, like the woman with the issue of blood, to tell Jesus what he did for you. Who touched my clothes? I did, the woman said. So we're going to just have a little testimony time. One liner, that's all I'm wanting. I just want to know what Jesus did for you this morning. And you're going to give God the glory for that. That's all this is. That's all this is. It's not a prayer time. There's not a prayer line, okay? All right, where's Dean? Over there. We'll start that side. So we're just going to have a quick one-line testimony. I don't need a sermon. 
I don't need a speech. I just need a one-line testimony. What Jesus healed you from. Dear lady, what did Jesus do for you? Healing in my womb. Healed what? Healing in my womb. Healing in your womb. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. Healing in my stomach. Praise God. Healing in my spine. Praise the Lord. Healing in my ankle and a bunch of other stuff here. Praise the Lord. He healed my knees. Healed your knees. He healed my knees and my stomach. Healed your knees and stomach. My blood pressure and ears. Hearing. Healed your hearing. Eric. He delivered me from resentment. Delivered you from? Resentment. Resentment. Okay. My eyes and um, turning my baby the right way. Okay. All pain on my whole body. Arthritis. Thank you, that boy. Thank you, Jesus. His perfect peace. God's perfect peace. Praise God. Healing from thyroid. Thank you, Lord. My heart. Praise God. Healing from my ankle, and He provided a new job for me. Thank you, Jesus. Healing from my skin. Healing from what? My skin. Your skin. Hernias. Hernias. Hernia. There's somebody else with a hernia. Healing from my ears and my stomach. Healing for my eyes. Healing for the spirit of fear in my ankles and my knees. Healing for my ankles. Healing for my knees and spine. Healing for finance. He healed you from that. Yeah, I could feel it. It was like a break. Okay. Healing for my knees. He healed your knees. Um, I've been believing the Lord um, for healing uh, of my teeth. And so I took that by faith today. And then also I've been believing the Lord um, for my credit cards to be paid off because I have a lot of credit card debt. So I believe that that's supernaturally going to be taken care of. And then um, also um, I've been struggling with offense. And so, mm -hmm. so I've been um, working with the Lord and believing for that. And so I just receive deliverance from that. Amen. My knees and my stomach. Praise God. Uh, healing for the weakness in my feet. Step your feet. How does that feel? Better. Better. Healing of blood pressure and heart. Praise the Lord. Lady. Healing for my faith, my my headaches, my ear, and my sight, and Is my daughter's gone PTSD. Now? Headaches all gone. Yes. All gone. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Healing for my neck and my hands. And the pain's gone. A, yes. a little. Yes. Healings for my heart and my stomach and my knees. Praise God. Push real hard in your stomach. Push real hard. Hard in your stomach. Push real hard. Hard. How does it feel? It feels good. Good. My eyes and my legs. Praise God. All right. You have testified. You may go sit down. The rest of you can step up. The rest of you can step up. Now remember, you're just going to tell us what Jesus has done for you, right? That's what we're here for. Just tell us what Jesus has done for you this morning. Uh, healing for my memory. He healed you from what? Memory. Memory. Memory loss. Um, healing from any unknown diseases and against any future diseases. Okay. Healing from my knee and my ankle. All right, bend your knee. How does that feel? Better. Good. 
What did God do for you? Uh, healing for blood pressure in my eyes. Okay. Praise the Lord. What did God do for you? Healing from my back. A bump Praise the Lord. Pain's back. all gone? Pain's all gone? I praise Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Healing for both of my shoulders. The pain's gone? Pain is gone. Praise God. What did God do for you? Healing for my eyes, spine, teeth, and my stomach. Eyes, teeth, and stomach. Healing from everything. My Overall. knees. Do this. Financial. Do this. Everything. Feels good? Yes. Praise Jesus. Arthritis and a lustful spirit. Arthritis? Yes, sir. And? And a lustful spirit. All right. Thank you, James. God bless you, brother. Jesus healing my uterus. That'll be healed in Jesus' name. It is healed. Amen. And also my knees. It'll never be healed if you say that. Okay. You were healed. You've accepted it. I've accepted then it. Then you have it. I have it. I have the Amen. healing. Amen. Amen. God Amen. bless you. You look at my heart and arthritis. Praise God. You got it? You have it? I got it. Praise the Lord. Healing from a stiff neck. Stiff neck. That's a problem a lot of people have. <laughs> healing from stress, fear, my teeth, and my finances. Okay. Praise the Lord. You just healed my hands. Healed your hands. Thank you, Lord. High blood pressure. Praise the my Lord. I got a four-parter. Um, my family, household, finances, and providing the job that Praise I Jesus. need right now. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Healing for my stomach. You don't have a stomach anymore. <laughs> no, you can heal from a stomach? <laughs> yes. You heal from stomach pain. Yes. I'm only kidding you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Healed my memory from healed the stroke in 97 okay. and stomach issues. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Jesus healed my ankle of an old fracture and healed my daughter of breast cancer and my son-in-law of pancreatic cancer. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For my stomach and my thyroid. Healed your stomach and your thyroid. Yeah. Okay. Hi, a tooth is... Yes. Okay. Praise the Lord. He healed my eyes. Healed your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Teeth, knee, and hernia. Praise Jesus. Ears and back. Praise Jesus. Healed from the occasional migraine and business growth. Praise God. My ankle and my thyroid. Ankle and what? Thyroid. Thyroid. Thank you, Lord. My wife's infection and my heart. Praise the Lord. Back and neck pain. Back and neck pain. Okay. Healing from pain on my face. Okay. Praise the Lord. Healing for cancer in my friend Mimi. Heal cancer in your family? Yeah. Okay. No, in my friend Mimi. Oh, uh, okay. Naomi. Your friend Naomi. Naomi. Yeah, oh. I got uh, healing for her. And she's Praise healed already. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord delivered me from the spirit of fear and from offense. Okay. Praise the Lord. Caitlin, what did God heal you from? My student loans are forgiven and my job is mine. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to know, where is the person who's trusting God for somebody to be healed from breast cancer? Where is that person? You're trusting God to be healed, somebody to be healed. There's a few people. You're praying for people to be healed from breast cancer? Oh, okay. Who was it? Who was it? Teresa? A friend of yours. A friend of mine. You prayed this morning? I prayed this morning. Praise God. And you too? Who did you pray for? Your daughter, where is she? She's at home. Where's home? Uh, Alamo Ranch area. 
Alamo Ranch. 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 She's been struggling with breast cancer for a while. Okay. She couldn't come to church this morning? No. But you prayed for her? Yes. Hopefully this will help her come to church. Yes. Amen. All right. Praise Jesus. You've been believing for God, for somebody to get healed from prostate cancer. Prostate cancer, cancer, yes. Where are they? In Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe? Yes. What's their name? What's their name? Tell me quietly, sure. Father, I thank you for your anointing came upon this person right now and healing them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for healing them in the name of Jesus. What do you come for? Do you come and testify? Tell me. God healed me from thyroid, thyroid. Chest, chest, chest pressure, yes. digestion, yes. legs, weakness, yes. um, dizziness. dizziness. Thank you, Jesus, for touching her. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes, you testify, Paul. So last night I felt that God cleared my arteries mm. and also tinnitus. And mm. today I felt whatever pain in my spine went away. Went away. And then one more thing it was a surprise i don't know the back of my tongue was just tickling for some reason oh I just know. maybe the lord doesn't want you to talk so much i'm only kidding i'm only kidding okay